You're listening to Gibraltar Stories, a podcast which shares interesting stories connected to Gibraltar. My name's Lindsay Weston. I've been living in Gibraltar for almost 10 years, and during that time, I've discovered more and more about this tiny and very special place. Its history, its people, famous visitors, and its role in important events on the world stage. From Darwin and the Neanderthals to James Bond, and from cybersecurity to fashion design, Gibraltar may be small, but it has a lot of stories to tell. This skull, Darwin held it in his hands, and he, he talked about the, the magnificent Gibraltar skull. And so it was almost complete, so it was almost giving people an idea of what these people were like and the, how different they were from us. The, the strategic position always matters in terms of how um, others view Gibraltar and the interest that can be gained out of control of, of, of the place. Never I was ever going to think that I would be making a dress and it was going to be Cayenne and she was going to be there in the Miss World Panda and she was going to win. So um, basically, yes, I cried loads. <laughs> We're punching above our weight, massively, you know, it's, just, it's like everything. You look at the Gibraltar Football Association, the same thing, you, talk, you cannot, again, wear a pool of 30,000 people and you can only pick your team from 30,000 people. So then you go to UK and there are millions of people there. But to be up at the same level, I think, is amazing. Everybody was rather excited about the whole thing, obviously, especially because it was a Bond movie. Um, and you know what we're like in Gibraltar, we're very proud when, whenever our rock is used for anything. So everybody was very excited. I think everybody felt a little bit like a star and it's great fun to be on the other side of the cameras. I say it's a microclimate within a microclimate. A microclimate is when you get small changes in a short space. And, you know, Gibraltar itself, we know, is very different from, like, Spain. It never gets quite as hot as nearby Spain or Morocco. Never gets quite as cold in the winter. There's only been one time that there's ever been an air frost that's been recorded. I arrived here and I looked at uh, Marina Bay and I went, ah, now that's where my, the, the, the murderous yacht is moored. And that's where that so-and-so flat over in Neptune House. And that's the wrong way. And that's where the chase takes place. So it's wonderful. And welcome to episode 12 of the Gibraltar Stories podcast. If you caught last week's episode, you'll know that this week I'm focusing on stamps. I touched on the world of philately when I looked at the special stamps created back in 1999 to mark the 30th wedding anniversary of John Lennon and Yoko Ono in Gibraltar, which I featured last week. In this age of electronic messaging, the humble stamp is still clinging on. Gibraltar's own stamps are sought after by collectors all around the world, in over 50 different countries to be precise. Gibraltar's first ever stamp was issued in 1886 during the reign of Queen Victoria. Back then, the colonial government used stamps made for the British Crown Colony of Bermuda and just stamped the word Gibraltar on them, before the rock's own stamps were printed later that year. Between 1889 and 1898, 
the stamps were priced in Spanish pesetas rather than sterling, as at that time that was the currency used for trade. Over the years, Gibraltar's stamps have marked important historic and cultural events here and are considered to be miniature works of art by the man in charge of producing today's issues, Aaron Enriles. A few weeks ago, I went along to the Gibraltar Philatelic Bureau to find out more about them. My name is Aaron Enriles. I'm the Philatelic Manager of the Gibraltar Philatelic Bureau. And uh, yeah, I'm responsible for the day-to-day running of, of the Philatelic Bureau and the issuing and selling of Gibraltar stamps worldwide. Now, I've got in front of me a display of, of all the stamps from last year. Um, it's quite a, a varied range of topics that you cover with your stamps. Absolutely. So every year we commence a, a year with, uh, with a stamp programme. Within this stamp programme we have anything between 8 to, to 12 stamp issues, which, which are produced within the year. And with these stamp issues, we have certain topics and themes that uh, we produce the stamps. And obviously, all these stamps are uh, approved by the government and by Buckingham Palace and are issued uh, on a monthly basis, monthly or more. So the Queen herself has very well cast her eyes across your stamps and given, given you the seal of approval then? Absolutely. Well, we, we try to wish and think that this is, this is the case, that everything is sent off for government approval. We are a private entity. The Gibraltar Military Bureau was privatised back in 1994, and what we do is that we produce the stamps on behalf of government of, of the government of Gibraltar. So all the stamp issues, once they've been designed and, and are ready for issuing, we send it off to, to government for their approval, which then gets sent off to Buckingham Palace for the approval of the Queen. So we like to think that she actually gets to, to see the stamps and, and approve them herself. Well, I guess her, her head goes on the stamp, so uh, it's very important that she gives the go-ahead. Absolutely. Now, what, what is it that um, makes you decide to settle on a topic? Is it, is it preordained? Is it planned very far in advance? Or do you just suddenly think... You so, know? basically, I'm, I'm responsible for the production of, of the stamp programme. So, how I work is I work at least in a year in advance. And I come up with a, a stamp programme with at least, like I mentioned before, eight to ten stamp topics... Of, of our choosing, which then I have to propose to the board of directors. Um, and obviously, it has to be approved by them. If they approve and are happy with, with the topics that are included in the programme, well, then I have the leeway and go ahead to, to produce the, the said stamps. So there are specific events that you've marked mm-hmm. in, in, within the last 12 months, like the centenary of the First World War and the centenary of the RAF, just to name two. Um, how do you go about... Creating the designs, do you have artists who work for you who, yeah. who come up with it? So basically, when we start working on a, a specific stamp issue, we once we have the approval and the go-ahead to, to proceed with this stamp topic, we have to t- take the decision to, to to follow up on which way we want to design the stamps. Either it will maybe photography or illustrations. So once we make that decision, we have a full-time designer. So for example, it's photography, we have a full-time designer, Stephen Pereira. And he, uh, he would be responsible to acquiring the photos and obviously all the mock-up and designs of the stamps. Or it may be the case that we decide to go down the illustrations path, so then we uh, get in contact with uh, artists and, and we'll, we'll propose a project to them and they'll produce uh, specific artworks for us and for this, pro- this project. Do many stamps not make the cut then? Do you have to have a big range and then decide that which ones you're going to choose? So, for example, if we have... Last year, we might have had... We've issued 10, 10 issues, for example, and I would have had 15 to 20 stamp topics of our choosing. And then from there, we start breaking down, brainstorming which 
which do we think are the most appropriate to be issued and will be obviously the most successful stamp issues. Now, uh, I'm not a stamp collector, although I was as a child, but looking at this range mm -hmm. of, of different designs, there seems to be quite a lot of issues within one year. Is that um, average is, or do you have more than, more than the average? No, so, so I think we're on average or just below average comparing ourselves to the other uh, British countries such as Jersey, Guernsey and Isle of Man. So always try to keep on par as them or, or less. So everybody issues anything between 8 to 12 stamp issues within within that given year. And within those stamp issues, you have a, a range of anything from 1 to, to 6 stamps within that stamp topic. Now, stamps obviously are collector's items. Um, do you have inquiries from all over the world for your stamps? Absolutely. So um, our business is, is mainly offshore, so at least only 20% of business comes from Gibraltar. The rest of the business is from, from abroad, so we are nearly purely solely to uh, our business comes from, from offshore. Uh, so in this office that, that we're here right now, we, this is the main headquarters to, to dispatch and fulfill all our orders to all our international customers, to all around the world. We sell to over 50 countries. And uh, you have, do you have backdated uh, first day covers then from previous years? Yes, if, if you visit our website www.gibrota-stamps.com here you'll be able to view all the stamp issues actually since we released the first issue in 1886, back in 1886. Obviously all the stamps are not uh, for sale as we don't have stock but uh, you can view all the stamps that have been issued from the very first day and we have a wide range of stock available including the first day cover presentation packs and additional philatelic products. What would you say is your most sought after stamp? It's tough. It's tough. You can't really pinpoint to one in particular because you, you get all types of collectors. Uh, a lot of collectors are thematic collectors, so you get some collectors which uh, uh, only purchase um, aviation themes, other uh, cinematic themes, or as you can see from this collection, you've got ships, cannons, and, and different views of Gibraltar. So it, it very much depends on the collector itself. And then you get the the old school, um, more traditional collector who likes to purchase everything. And those are the, the ones we particularly like. I'm sure you <laughs> oh, do. We like all of them. <laughs> You've got quite a few uh, uh, stamps here from last year featuring the royal family. Uh, mm -hmm. Prince Charles has got a whole collection to himself of six, presumably yeah. because of his significant birthday. Um, how do you go about selecting something to do with the royals? Well, basically we try to, to mark any anniversary any royal anniversary coming up within the year so we try to to hit those anniversaries because they're one of the most popular topics for us especially that most of our customers are from the united kingdom although we sell worldwide but a main bulk of of our customers are from the united kingdom so obviously they have a high interest in in royalty themes and then how it works is is once we have um, images or or the stamp designs ready we send them off for their approval and they have to actually approve the stamps so i think it was last year that we did one for for the birthday of Prince Charles. So this would actually go through the office of Prince Charles and he would have to approve the stamps himself as well. That's super. And then there's the engagement of uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. As yeah, well, that was actually uh, a stamp issue that we had to do in quite a quick turnaround because obviously of the announcement. So we tried to get the stamp issue released as soon as, as uh, they announced their engagement. And as you can see there, it's the official, we use the official photographs of the day they announced their, their engagement. Yes, and also one for the Queen, which is valued at £4. So 
That was for the 65th anniversary of her coronation and features an old photograph of the time as well. Yeah, they, they, they obviously, they kind of mark history, don't they? Absolutely, absolutely. And we try to consider them as uh, miniature works of art, if you, if you like to say. Now, just going back to the, the stamps in general, but for people who might be interested in, in Gibraltar stamps who aren't in Gibraltar, how can they find out about uh, what stamps you have for sale? Okay, so the, the best way is obviously visiting our website, which is gibraltar-stamps.com. So here, as I mentioned before, you can view all the stamp issues that we released from the very first day, and we have a wide range of stock available. And in addition to this, we also have other stamp accessories. We also sell coins, banknotes, and, and other products. And if you're in Gibraltar, we have a small shop in, in Main Street. It's located just outside the main post office. And again, here we have a nice selection of stamps. Not all of them, because it's just quite a small shop. There's a nice selection of stamps there available as well. And then we have our social uh, media pages, Facebook and uh, Twitter pages as well. Thanks to Aaron for telling me all about Gibraltar stamps. And if you'd like to find out more about the Gibraltar Philatelic Bureau, I'll include a link to their website in the show notes for this episode. Now, cast your mind back to episode six of the Gibraltar Stories podcast and my chat with Gibraltar's young cyber centurions and their teacher and team leader, Stuart Harrison. When I spoke to them in February, they were preparing to head off to the home of the Codebreakers at Bletchley Park to enter the Cyber Centurions competition for 2019. At the time, I promised to bring you an update as to how they got on. Here's Stuart Harrison. We came out first place for the junior team and third place for the senior team, which was fantastic. We didn't expect to do that well. So again, we're extremely pleased with the end, end, end results. And Gibraltar's done fantastically well again, being so small against so many teams from the UK. We've done well again. Every This is the fifth year competition. This is the fourth time that I've been to the finals. So Gibraltar has to get his reputation for, for doing very well in this competition. They they were they 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 asked questions like how can you be able to do so well and it's just the way we got things things set up I and mean, this we're the only school to have a junior team and a senior team in the in the finals together so again it's showing two things that one that our senior our kids as they go along are progressing really well and that our junior teams are following the in the same footsteps so clearly whatever the program set up is obviously working and presumably you'll be entering again next year. Oh, we definitely want to enter again next year. I think we're doing so well and the kids enjoy themselves so much that we just need to keep on going again. And Gibraltar is obviously setting, setting the, the benchmark for, for, edu- for cybersecurity education. Well, congratulations to you and to the students as well. It's a fantastic achievement. It is. Again, I think they're very proud of themselves. I think they're even a bit surprised that they've done that well. I think what they don't realise, again, they don't, they're nothing to compare against. So they just get taught and they progress and... They seem to be doing well. They don't realise that how well that they're progressing in comparison to other schools in the UK that haven't got the stuff that we have. Like we've got private sector uh, trainers. We've got lots of time. We've got resources. Being small, we can send the kids to do an internship or placement in one business and then get some help from another business. That doesn't happen in the UK because UK is so big. It's hard for that to occur. So Gibraltar using its it's small. It's small size to its advantages. Obviously, for us, it's uh, it's helping us loads to get that that contact, consistent contact with with different businesses and public sector as well. You're certainly playing to your strengths, then. No, we are. We are, I think being small, but then looking at the concentration of businesses and online companies and stuff like that in Gibraltar, it's very high. 
So we're obviously plugging into that, and they're, the other thing is well that they actually they actually ask us that they want to help us out. You know, they hear about what's going on, and they want to help out. They offer us again sponsorships. They'll offer training. They'll offer their services to help our kids. So again, I think everybody is is winning on this one. Many congratulations to the students for their hard work and success. And here's to next year's competition. And that brings this episode and the first series of Gibraltar Stories to a close. I'm going to be taking a short break of a few weeks to research and record some more Gibraltar stories for you. I'm also currently working on a series of episodes to commemorate the closure of the frontier with Spain by General Franco 50 years ago, which will be coming your way later in the year. If you have any memories of the closed frontier years which you would like to share with me, please do get in touch on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or by email to gibraltarstories at gmail.com. Before that, though, I hope to be back with you just after Easter with some more interesting stories from this tiny and very special place. Please remember to like the Gibraltar Stories Facebook page, follow Gibraltar Stories on Instagram or Twitter, or subscribe to the podcast on your favourite podcast provider, be it Apple Podcasts, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify or Spreaker. That way you won't miss out on the next new episode when it comes online. And while you're there, if you'd like to rate and review the podcast, that'll help other people find it too. Thank you very much for listening, especially those of you who persevered right through to the very end. Until next time, thank you and goodbye for now.